0: chapter twelve of transition this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. transition by emma francis brooke chapter twelve sheridan descended the steps more slowly than was his wont he was baffled pained he knew that he had failed and he could not understand the reason of his failure in the sitting-room lucilla stood where he had left her lost in thought her hands folded her head bent she was not listening to and therefore did not hear the slowly descending steps echoing on the stone staircase but this was not because paul had dropped out of her mind the moment he had withdrawn from her sight but because he was so intimate a part of the mental struggle in which he had left her that she was unable to occupy herself in the exterior matters connected with him she was no mere girl in love to run to catch a departing glimpse of the person of a lover that was not the relation between the two their tie was the tie of comradeship preference there always must be whether between man and man or man and woman in the love of comrades as in other affections the heart of the one feeling after that other who can best respond to its individual quality such preferences enhance the common joy in the union effected through a simultaneous surrender to a distinguishing thought a thought which singles out a few and impels them together and apart from others in a great coincidence of aim and idea but it is not the private preference it is the coincidence of aim which gives the touch of tragical earnestness to the tie the idea in common lifting the personal relation to the level of a great allegiance paul walking down the stairs towards the street carried with his personality an inseparable impress of the communistic dream as it existed in lucilla's mind but the socialistic idea stood to her like a lonely forest tree vast unencumbered stark and without the chance of comparison with kindred or lesser growths now paul as a man of the world threaded every day an intricate way amidst a crowding multitude of competing ideas and measured his own notion with them for a man thus plunged in the tides of life about him it was almost impossible to realize the single-eyed preoccupation with an absolute idea which a great-hearted girl in her restricted life might cherish on her side it was unlikely that she should understand the apparent modification of his attitude in face of a complex reality with which she never came in touch her crying need was to keep the beautiful idea intact to divide it with none to compromise in no particular its very extravagances were precious to her now paul met these dryly he did not sneer he simply laid them aside as useless to the work in hand this was mere evidence of his strength and sagacity of his accurate measure of the possible yet lucilla was chafed by it and disappointed in reality he was a no less far-reaching dreamer than she was but he bore his dreams and not they him he built warily about them and netted them in the practical the one tremendous test of character is to harbour a dream sanely and not to be driven by that disquieting and inimitable presence beyond our poor necessary limits out to the unguided impulses beyond unfortunately rashness and prominent self-sacrifice were to lucilla necessary constituents of virtue and the growing success of paul's method and that of his friends in procuring a wide recognition of socialism was slowly awakening discontent in her heart and undermining its trust and allegiance where is there not elsewhere to be found a more complete correspondence between the inner ideal and the outward form standing motionless the better to fix her mind on its torture of irresolution this was the question she debated her heart in its furious beating keeping pace with the oscillation of her thought between impulse and inaction it was as though sheridan who by this time was turning out of the building into the street was carrying away with him and further and further from her her best safety and highest self-possession presently he reached the end of the street and turned into another which led in the direction of littleton's chambers at that moment remembering his errand he shook himself together dropped lucilla and her moods out of his mind and stepped briskly forward had his engrossment with her his regret and commiseration acted as a mesmeric or telepathic power for in the same instant the girl starting from her absorption with a sigh ran to her bedroom and came back with a hat and cloak in her hand which she flung about her person in a great despatch and hurry as though she feared the impulse to action might die out unfulfilled then she ran to the door her fingers were upon the handle when she hesitated again an extreme pallor marked her face her eyes wandered over the homely little chamber the glances touching familiar things quickly and as quickly passing away from them finally they were arrested by sheridan's portrait she stared at it fixedly some vague presentiment a warning a silent reproach went out from it she withdrew her hand from the door her fingers sought the clasp of her cloak as though to unfasten it would that some infallible guide were with us to direct even our fine impulses in their oscillations between action and refraining and their choice between the double currency of silence and of speech how much more those of our rasher and less honourable hours the next moment the door closed behind her and she was running in wilful haste down the stairs the direction in which lucilla turned was opposite to the one sheridan had taken and finally she hailed an omnibus marked westminster quarter of an hour later she was walking under the shadow of the abbey and then towards the bridge her steps were swift she hurried along without observing much and yet the feeling of the place and of the night was with her so that on reaching the bridge she paused as she was to pause many and many a night hereafter and laying her hand on the stonework looked towards the east her eyes were full of a great and passionate yearning she scarcely saw the lights or the gleam of the water or the shaping of the buildings into fantastic shadows by the darkness she saw only her own dream across the dream hurried processions of miserable ones of outcasts to whom earth and life had been cruel of shreds and remnants of humanity who did not taste of joy hunger and cold disease crime itself were there all that the eye of her mind beheld she unshrinkingly embraced without offence without hesitation her single desire was to find that way by which consecration of her life to their help might be most complete most entire her pause was scarcely more than momentary she went quickly on and passed into a shabby street where presently she reached the house she looked for by the time her hand was raised to the knocker nothing of her late turmoil remained save the sad sense of being alone and without the faces of her comrades about her the shadow of evil presentiment that future running with its ominous warning finger into the hour of the present had withdrawn the mere fact of decided action had resulted in a sense of assurance even of a pleasurable appreciation of the thrill of adventurous existence in answer to her knock the door opened almost immediately and a shabby man of extremely foreign appearance smoking a cigarette thrust his head forward he gave a start of astonishment when he saw the slight figure standing outside this obvious surprise was for the moment a little dismaying to lucilla who remained speechless upon the threshold while the foreigner peered at her curiously and suspiciously an impulse from the orderly habit deeply rooted in her girl's life tugged as it were at the very skirt of her dress she had almost turned to flee as suddenly as she had come unfortunately she stood her ground is m d'auvenet here faltered she ah you are one comrade and without pausing to hear her reply he went to the bottom of the stairs and called the name of the frenchman the next moment d'auverney who had advanced from the second story was running down towards her with outstretched hand and a vehement welcome on his lips yes i am come gasped the girl as he stooped forwards to look inquiringly into her wide-open eyes i am come after all only to see though after all after all i am not satisfied come upstairs was Dovernay's reply and let me introduce you to the comrades meanwhile sheridan was in lyttleton's rooms the two friends were seated at a table piled with papers blue-books law-books and books of reference of various kinds the work in hand was that of drafting for parliament a new factory act the idea was sheridan's the scope the measures of the bill were his but many of the clauses and a good deal of the wording were littleton's this joint sort of labor was common to sheridan and his friends who throwing their time and effort into the common stock lost the identity of any particular literary hand or personal suggestion in excellent collective results on the present occasion neither sheridan nor lyttleton ever expected to have their names mentioned in connection with the work they had in hand sheridan to begin with had found a sympathetic member of parliament who had fallen in with the projected scheme and had willingly consented to put his name on the back of the bill when it was ready and to introduce it to the house on as favorable an opportunity as the government would allow the member mr martin inchbald of Welshire, offered suggestions and would probably make alterations but his stipulation was that he should be spared the sacrifice of time necessary to the shaping of such an act into proper legislative form in every other way he was in thorough agreement with the pair and a willing co-operator sheridan's next care had been to catch the ears of a few members whose sympathies leaned with his desires but who were either lukewarm in the matter or doubtful as to the practicality of the projected legislation many and long had been his conversations with these hesitating souls his handling of their respective personalities had been an inspiration of deftness and his arguments far too adroit and ready to be easily parried by the breathless and often half-informed legislators who eventually capitulated to his attacks for at the back of the man's felicitous skill with his fellows was always that sense of genuine and lofty will that fire-spot of enthusiasm which carried the day where lesser methods might have failed the most onerous part the sketch and elaboration of the bill had still to be accomplished and this was the business before them neither man had the least expectation of success in the passage of the whole bill through a house in which a conservative government was in power and neither of them was in the least dashed or injured in his energy by the certainty of its defeat but they did cherish the hope that some of their clauses might be accepted as amendments to the government bill there are now a handful of members all more or less able speakers who have pledged themselves to the measure said sheridan his hand moving rapidly between paste pot and scissors and that is a forward enough step for the present some of them at least are bound to hit upon the right arguments in the process of debate at any rate i've coached them assiduously the great thing is to bring the idea of this particular line of reform before the house and to get it talked about by the way i had a letter from inchbald the other day he thinks we do not make sufficiently clear what are the separate provinces of the sanitary and factory inspectors returned littleton we must mark that out a bit then i want to lean towards extending the factory inspectors powers and i thought i'd made that clear enough hand me the old act will you and our first draft of this one sheridan at work upon this serious bit of state business was not a whit different in attitude or manner from what he had been in lucilla's room he wrote with the same rapidity and complete concentration now and then saving time by the scissors and paste-pot expedient the word seemed to leap to his thought occasionally he rather testily rejected some suggestion of littleton's which he considered ill-advised at others he accepted one in preference to his own with a lightening of his own face to his companion's idea and a short exclamation of that's it frequently he ruthlessly and unhesitatingly effaced phrases of his own or of lyttleton's that did not commend themselves to his mature judgment with a quite impartial disregard of the vanity of either it was about a quarter before midnight that he suddenly threw down his pen and turned towards the clock he stared at it with an absent and harassed glance so that his friend suspended his own work also to look at him lyttleton said he still unconsciously staring at the hands there's one thing in addition to all the rest that's becoming more and more e- self-evident to me and that is that we've got to fight the anarchists very well but what makes you think of it now Littleton also dropped his pen and leaned back in his chair sheridan did not reply he still gazed meditatively and absently at the clock with a peculiar falling away of the lines of his strong face into a sensitive and commiserating look as though some idea had stirred his heart suddenly to the deepest feeling of pity you know pursued lyttleton seeing that his friend did not respond there is in my opinion a certain amount of truth in anarchism just enough to make the lie more fatal and what makes you feel to-night that we must fight it merely a clearer apprehension than usual that it is the shortest cut i know of to reaction if you want to point me out the genuine enemy of practical socialism show me an anarchist lyttleton pushed the papers aside and took out a cigarette and lit it after a reflective puff or two he looked again towards his friend it will never take much hold in england said he why are you alarmed it's the sort of thing that lives by persecution and you see we just let it alone paul was still looking straight before him with that gentle commiserating look a little before this hour the door of the house into which lucilla had vanished reopened, and she issued from it in company with half a dozen men and a sprinkling of women she turned quickly and without even nodding good-night in the direction of the bridge d'auverney followed her but she did not remark it it had been very great very inspiring this talk with the anarchist comrades her spirit was full of soft uh ohs of excitement her cheeks burned and her eyes gleamed like the reflections in the water upon which presently they were fixed was it indeed possible that those stern barriers of time and circumstance and inertia which daily throw back zeal and determination to the attitudes of vigilant waiters upon opportunity could be broken down by the resolute action of a few staunch companions she leaned her arms and body upon the stone and abandoned herself to reflection daring emotion thrilled every nerve as though with some intoxicating stimulant to be in active conspiracy against society not as paul was living in it adopting its methods and turning them against itself but in very actuality to exist as its deadly foe such a conception came as an offer of emancipation to her conscience and her heart extreme and sudden steps have this joyous feel we appear to be bounding into liberty and have no suspicion that bondage may lurk at the end she panted with longing for some such instant release and self-realization for a plain straightway in which her feet might run without this harassing sense of doubt and groping paul had once laughed and said that the cry for assurance about our actions was like the cry for assurance of immortality but if every one for instance would but simultaneously fling themselves upon the right it was curious that at the moment an old phrase of paul's ran inconsequently into her mind from some recess of memory too much is involved for us to dare to be hasty lucilla it is our duty to examine and to test to study and to vigilantly watch for and seize opportunity that is the true attitude of right citizenship she almost heard the grave musical voice and saw the kind eyes bent on her in the old familiar way that sudden vivid presentation of her friend arrested her with the sense of something homely comforting and safe and just then the hour of a quarter to midnight chimed from big ben she started and raised herself from her leaning posture with a curious sense of sudden awakening d'auverney seeing her move advanced quietly i was waiting until you were roused from your absorption mademoiselle said he lucilla turned the voice polished and attuned fretted her with a sense of incongruity looking up to him the foreign handsome face with its large and luminous smile its dark smile as from dark eyes and hair and skin came to her with a startling sense of strangeness unconsciously she straightened herself and drew her cloak closer about her and then withdrawing her eyes fixed them on the darkness of the river across the bridge dotted with indistinct lights monsieur d'auvenay said she in a slow soft voice you must not think too much of my having been here to-night it has been very refreshing a great uplift but nothing is very clear to me just yet the foreigner's eyes rested on the fine little profile on the face full of possibilities of truth and devotion scarcely shadowed out from the surrounding darkness oh no mademoiselle said he gently i would rather you examined and proved yourself first but it is a step he added what is a step it is a step to have you here on this bridge he said sharply under the shadow of those pretentious and accursed buildings and debating whether you will continue to throw in your adhesion there and he pointed to the houses of parliament or with us and suffering humanity down yonder and he threw out his hand with a swift expressive gesture towards the east it was very well done and it was obviously sincere but it happened to be an error in tactics lucilla turned proudly aside an indignant tear in her eye you mistake me she returned i am debating nothing of the kind we don't belong there in parliament at all it is only that i have not left the old comrades yet and she took a step onwards doverney moved to her side quickly permit me to accompany you home said he no thank you no said she very rapidly and firmly i would rather be alone i am accustomed to find my way by myself a horror of his company seized her she stepped forwards hastily indeed her eyes were overflowing with tears no great emotion brought them there it was a sense of homelessness a yearning for the faces of old friends all the excitement and light and thrill died suddenly out of the evening and left her feeling as a child might do who under some terrible fairy enchantment wakens to find itself upon a new hearthstone with a circle of new strange faces in the place of the old brothers and housemates for after all it is the affections that give acuteness to the great allegiance End of chapter Twelve.